part three of our series at the movies. My name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at CORE. And whether you're checking us out online, here, in person, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you walked in here carrying, or whether you're still skeptical about this whole church thing or this whole Jesus thing, we want you to know we could not be more excited that you're here with us. Because around here, more than anything, maybe what you've heard us say within this room or you've seen it posted time and time again on social media is that we want you here. And the reason why we say that is because it's true. It's because we want you to find when you walk into this place or check out a service online, we want you to find that this is a place where you can belong even before you believe. And that this is a safe place where when you walk in here, you don't have to have it all together. Because for some reason, they allow this place to be led by a guy who doesn't have it all together either. And so we're so grateful that you took a chance on us. Even if you just walked in here wanting to have a little bit of fun or to begin to answer the question, is there really a church that's crazy enough to do an entire series that is all about movies? And if you're asking that question this morning, we want to answer that question with an emphatic yes. We are crazy enough to do a series all about the movies and to hand out popcorn every single week that you walk in here and to do some fun stuff from stage and to even pass out Philly cheesesteaks to everyone. And the reason why we're crazy enough to do something like that is because this is what we believe with all of our hearts, that God isn't boring. And so church doesn't have to be either. And our hope is that as we move through this series, that maybe, just maybe, you can begin to experience something totally unexpected and something that maybe you've never experienced before through the local church. And that maybe, just maybe, something that captivates all of our hearts, like the movies, has the potential to speak some truth into our lives that can change our lives and ultimately drastically change our futures. And so each and every week, we've been tackling a different movie in a different genre with a different application piece for our lives, something that has the power to move us in a different direction as we walk back out into the real world Monday through Saturday in our lives. And today, we find ourselves arriving at my favorite movie genre. It's the movie genre that's produced some of my favorite all-time movies, movies like Hoosiers and A Field of Dreams and A League of Their Own. Movies like Tin Cup and every Rocky movie ever made, except for Rocky V. And the reason why the sports genre is something that is so captivating to many of us is this. is because the sports genre is the movie genre that makes it easiest to write a script around an underdog story. An individual or a team who against all odds rise from the ashes to accomplish something that no one expects them to accomplish. An individual who becomes something when the moments of their life feel bleakest. And maybe that's why movies like Creed III and the entire Rocky franchise resonates with so many of us. You see, if you haven't seen any of the Creed movies, the newest three installments of the Rocky franchise, Creed revolves around a character known as Adonis Creed. He's the son of the late Apollo Creed. The man who was one of the main characters in the original first four Rocky movies, who was the rival of Rocky turned in the best friend of Rocky. And yet what we know about Adonis' life is this, is that Adonis was not born to one of Apollo's wives or to his wife. And because of that, Adonis didn't grow up with a childhood of being raised by a superstar. 
He didn't have a childhood that was outlined by glamour and riches. In fact, it was the exact opposite of that. Adonis grew up with a childhood of being passed through the foster care system, a childhood of poverty, a childhood of neglect, and even a childhood that was littered by stops in the juvenile detention system. And yet in spite of that past and his upbringing that was far from ideal, what we begin to see in the Creed movies is that he has overcome all of those obstacles and the scars of his past to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And we begin to see this new underdog story being written in and through his life. And we pick up the third installment of this series at a time in which Adonis has really accomplished it all. Life couldn't be going much better than it presently is, and he finds himself coming towards the end of his boxing career. It's time in his life for him to begin to focus on family and even to begin to run his own gym in which he is training the next generation of fighters. Until one day, an old friend, revealing an even messier part of his past, walks back into his life. It's a storyline that in some ways resonates with my story and resonates with yours. Because regardless of what your life looks like presently, for myself at least, when I look back across my past and I look back across my story, when I look close enough and get honest enough, what I'm forced to admit time and time again is this, is that my past isn't pretty. I don't know about yours, but there's no hiding the, the fact that when it comes to, to my life, my past isn't pretty. And maybe y'all didn't know this, but I was a man before I was a pastor. And since I've become a pastor, I am still human. There are still parts of my, my story that haven't turned out the way that I've wanted to, that have been filled with a whole lot of self-inflicted scars along the way. I've made plenty of dumb decisions. Crossed plenty of lines I knew I shouldn't cross. Said things I shouldn't say. Killed relationships I wish I still had. And lost things I was never meant to lose. And in my life, there are physical, mental, and emotional scars and baggage to prove it. There are a few truer statements in my life that describe my past and the mistakes that I've been and the self-inflicted scars that are now a part of my story because the decisions of my past than what James, the brother of Jesus, says about our past, says about what all lives all look like. In James chapter 3, verse 2, he writes this. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. You see, I don't know about you, but there can be no truer way to encapsulate my story and my past than this. That my past has been littered with many mistakes along the way. Because we are human, we all have an imperfect story and an imperfect past that we have written. And that past has hurt. That past has regret. That past has some embarrassment. And as much as we wish it wasn't, that past is always waiting to rear its ugly head in our present. Not only did it wreak havoc in our past, but it is just waiting to wreak havoc in our present and throughout our future. The divorce, the addiction, the abuse, 
the lines that were crossed with that guy? The gossip that you were constantly involved in? The way you treated people? The moments of your life where you visited those sites that you knew you shouldn't visit? The amount of alcohol you used to consume? Or the moments of your past, time and time again, that you've turned your back on God? We all have too many parts of our past, big and small, that we'd love to forget. And if being honest, we'd love to erase. And yet in the countless moments of our present that we have tried to forget and erase those scars of our past, what we've begun to realize is this, is that that seems downright impossible. That there is no way to eradicate ourselves from our past and to completely erase that or to completely forget that. And because there's no way to get rid of those things from our past, what we find ourselves doing as humanity is we do the things that come natural in light of the scars of our past. We do the things that come easiest in a way in which we figure out how to naturally deal with the past of our lives. And time and time again, we keep returning to the same old thing, the thing we see everybody else doing to deal with the scars and the mistakes and the sin of their past, that we view that as the easiest route. And we so often find ourselves slipping back into that. We just keep doing everything we can, everything that seems appropriate to subdue and bury our past deep inside of us. There are these natural ways that all of us find ourselves dealing with the past. And these natural things that all of us as humanity find ourselves doing to deal with the past are the things we see rising up in Adonis' story as well in the middle of Creed 3. As his past comes rushing back to him in the middle of a time in his life where it seems like things couldn't be going any better, that everything is falling into place, and he's got an incredible family, and he's the heavyweight champion of the world, and he's running a successful business, an old friend walks back into his life, a guy by the name of Damien. And as this old friend walks back into his life, all of these past scars begin to rise back to the surface. You see, Dame grew up with Adonis. They found themselves as roommates in one of the foster homes and one of the group homes that they were in as young children. And they had become like brothers. And as brothers, both of them had this bond that was shared around unfortunate circumstances. A life of poverty, a life of less than, a life of the foster care system, and what we come to learn through the story a life of immense physical abuse. And on the heels of that, what we begin to see happen is this, is that when the two of them were younger, they encountered their abuser. And as they encounter their abuser, an altercation takes place. A gun is drawn in the altercation, and Dame goes to prison for almost two decades of his life. And as all the memories of that checkered past rises back to the surface in Adonis' life, we see him begin to do these natural things that every single one of us so easily slip into as we attempt to deal with the past hurt and the past mistakes that we all have in our lives. 
You see, what we begin to, to see in Adonis' life, and as we begin to uncover these few things that we so naturally do, what we begin to see is this, is that simply taking the easy approach and the natural route of how to deal with our past prohibits us from moving forward in the healthiest way possible into the future that the God of the universe has for you. And this morning, man, if you take nothing else of what we're going to talk about over the course of the next 20 minutes from this place, man, what I want you to hear is this, is that regardless of who you are, what your past looks like, what you walked in here carrying, the God of the universe loves you and has an incredible plan for your future. The God of the universe wants you to walk into something better in your future than what you've experienced in your past. And yet, as we'll come to find out, doing so requires us to take some steps to unhook ourselves from our past. But in order to unhook ourselves from our past, what we first must recognize is what we do so naturally that isn't healthy. And what we see Adonis begin to do as all of these memories begin to be shared and rise back to the surface to take this first natural step. Check this out. So, how long have you been in town? I mean, even back, way back. It was like, it was... I don't know if you see that look that was shared between Adonis and his wife, Bianca. But there's this reality that begins to come to light as they begin to share stories about the group home. That this is a part of his life that hasn't even been shared with his spouse. You see, this first natural step that we so often take when it comes to dealing with the scars of our past is we try to hide it. Because we believe that if somebody else ever found out about some of the things that we've done in our past, that when they look at us, they would never see us the same. There's no way they could look at us the same way they do if we were to begin to talk about and reveal those things from our past that have checkered our past. And so what do we do? We attempt to hide it at all costs, to keep it to ourselves and to ensure that those things are never to be exposed to anyone else. Because if those things are exposed, what we begin to believe is this, is our future becomes worse at exposing those things. We buy into the myth that bringing those things into the light somehow makes our future worse. But as he attempts to hide it, Bianca, Adonis's wife, begins to recognize this second natural step that so many of us take when it comes to the scars of our past. That Adonis is living out every day of his life that he's begun to rely on in the way in which he deals with those scars of his past. Check this out. Not only do we attempt in our lives to hide those things, but what comes natural to so many of us as the scars of our past rise back to the surface is for us to simply bottle it up. Not only do I not want anybody to know about it, but I surely don't want to talk about it. And while this comes naturally to all of us as humanity, guys, I'm challenging you to lean in for just a second. When we get honest enough, isn't this second nature to us? something that feels as if it's been a part of our DNA since we were in middle school. It isn't comfortable or natural for us to go back and talk about any part of our past. And that becomes evident from the time you sit down at the kitchen table as a middle schooler after school and your parents ask you how your day at school was and all we find a way to muster up is, fine. Moms are laughing, moms who've had teenage boys before. 
Because we don't like going back and addressing our past. We don't like expending the energy it takes to go back and address those things from our past. And so what do we do? We keep it bottled up inside of us. And we refuse not just to not let anybody know about it, but we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to do anything to try to really overcome those things and deal with those things. And because of that, not, not wanting to let anybody know about it, not wanting to talk about it, we begin to buy into this myth that's the third natural step, that those two things begin to produce this belief in every single one of us, and it's this, that we begin to believe that dealing with it causes more pain than just living with it. We believe the pain to deal with it is greater than the pain to just live with it. And so what do we choose to do? Based upon that myth, it seems a whole lot easier and a whole lot natural just to allow those things to fester in our lives for the next 40 years. Because it's going to be a whole lot more painful right now to bring that out into the light and to deal with it and to try to overcome it than it would to just try to bury this down and give it free rent in our lives and in our minds for the rest of our lives. When we say it out loud, it sounds awful crazy, doesn't it? And yet what I know about myself, and maybe you're willing to admit this about yourself as well, is that we as humanity aren't very good when it comes to delayed gratification. That when faced with the choice of having more pain right now to eradicate that pain for the rest of my life, or having less pain right now and dealing with that pain for the rest of my life, we so often choose, I, I kind of want less pain right now. I want what feels better in the immediate. Instead of taking the courageous step and saying, you know what, I'm going to deal with this thing now, and it's going to be painful, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to take some work along the way. But for me, I want to get rid of that pain in the long run, and so I'm willing to do the hard work right now. You see, there's this conversation that begins to take place as Dame walks back into Adonis' life. And as Bianca, Adonis' wife, begins to hear some of these stories, what they both begin to realize is something monumental about our ability to essentially deal with the pain. And when we recognize this monumental truth, it changes the way we move forward. It changes the way we move through. It changes the way we look back and deal with the pain when we can recognize this one truth that they point out in this conversation. Check this out. It takes work to look at the past. It takes work to resurface some of those scars and hurts and regrets and mistakes and sin. And yet the truth of the matter is this. Anything worth doing in all lives to experience a healthier future is going to require work. It's going to require some pain along the way. And the question that we have to answer is this. Do I want a healthier future, and am I willing to put in some work and some pain to get there? Do I want a healthier marriage, healthier finances, healthier relationships? healthier self-worth, self-esteem? Do I want to change what I see looking back at me in the mirror every single day? And if so, it requires some courage. 
You see, there's good news. While those three things, to hide it and bottle it up and to believe the pain of dealing with it is greater than the pain of living with it, come natural to every single one of us, there is an alternate option in every single one of our lives, an alternate option that produces a better future, that allows us, like I talked about earlier, that allows us to move towards and step into this future that the God of the universe wants for you and wants for me. But doing so requires us to take just a few small steps. A few small steps that that won't be easy, but I promise you will be worth it in the long run. A few small steps that will require some courage, but allow us not just to deal with our past, not just to suppress our past, but ultimately to overcome our past. It's the first step that we have to take is a vital step, and yet it's a step that doesn't apply to all of us. But for those of us it does apply to, taking this step will be the key that unlocks our ability to move into all of the rest of the steps. We are incapable of moving forward and healing and overcoming our past unless for those of us that this first step does apply to, we are courageous enough to take this step, to be given permission to do this in our lives with our past. See, the first step that some of us must take to overcome our past is we must stop carrying what isn't ours. We have to stop carrying these moments from our past, these scars from our past, this baggage from our past that isn't ours to carry. And the way in which this manifests itself in many of our lives who need to take this step is in one of two ways. The first is this. For those of us in this room who have encountered abuse of some sort in our past, be it physical, be it sexual abuse, what you recognize is that there is a baggage you are carrying with you from that day until now. And what looks likely is that you will carry that baggage with you to your grave. Because of the hurt that was placed on you by somebody else's misactions, somebody else's missteps and mistakes and the hurt they placed on you, what you recognize is that there is this shame and guilt and embarrassment that feels like it's following you every day of your life. That every morning you wake up because of that physical or sexual abuse that you had in your past, when you look in the mirror, what you see looking back at you is someone who is less than, someone who will never be worthy, someone who will never be good enough, someone who will never be beautiful. And yet the fact of the matter that I want you to hear this morning is this, is that the mistakes and the ugliness of somebody else is no longer your baggage to carry. Their mistakes, their abuse does not make you less than, does not make you less loved, does not make you less worthy, does not make you less beautiful. The God of the universe looks at you and he sees a masterpiece that no amount of abuse, that no amount of somebody else's mistakes can rob you of. And in order for us to move forward, we have to stop allowing that abuser to wield power over us. And we have to recognize their mistakes and their ugliness is not ours to carry. And we have to let go of that ownership. And we have to let go of the way we've allowed that to mark our identity. For others of us, there's a second way in which it manifests in our lives. For those of us who are parents of adult kids, 
we've lived this hurt before. That as your kids grow up and become adults, and they begin to make mistakes, and they begin to travel a path in their lives that you feel as if, I didn't raise them to make those choices. I never wanted that for their future. What happens is this, is that as, a, as parents of adult kids who make mistakes, you begin to ask questions of yourself like this. Where did I go wrong? And what did I do wrong in the way in which I raised them? Was I a bad parent to them as a child? And you begin to call into question yourself and your parenting ability. And you begin to see yourself as less than because of your grown kids' mistakes. And what I want you to hear this morning is this. Is that so often we miss this truth that when your kids become adults, you are no longer responsible for them. Hello. Y'all okay? When your kids become adults, you are no longer responsible for them. You're still responsible to them. And here's the differentiation. You are responsible to them, to set a great example for them, to give them advice when they ask for it. You are responsible to them, but you have to stop holding yourself responsible for their choices. They are grown adults who make their own choices that leave no reflection on you, your value, your worth, how you parented them. If you let it, that will eat your lunch. And it's time for you to stop caring what isn't yours. There's this incredible moment in the Old Testament if you don't know much about uh, ancient Jewish tradition, there was this belief held in ancient Jewish tradition that we see scattered throughout the Old Testament. And it was this belief that ultimately the sins of one person were passed down generationally through the family. And so as mom or dad made a mistake, their sins would ultimately cost the kids something. Or as grandma and grandpa made a mistake, there was repercussions that were lived out in their grandchildren's lives. In the ancient tr Jewish tradition, they believed that the sin of someone was now passed down generationally, and it was a burden for everyone in that family to carry for all of time. But one day, there was this prophet named Ezekiel that walked onto the scene, and he addresses that belief head-on in the Jewish people, that belief head-on in your and I's life and what we choose to carry that isn't ours to carry. In Ezekiel chapter 18, he says this, what, you ask? Doesn't the child pay for the parent's sins? No. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parent will not be punished for the child's sin. There are things you are carrying that you weren't meant to carry, things keeping you chained to the past, that you have full permission right here unhook yourselves from that. There's this incredible moment late in the movie when it feels like everything in Adonis's life is crashing in on him. Everything that he's built, everything that he's achieved feels as if it's falling apart at the hands of one man. And this checkered past that is now rising back to the surface. As he begins to question himself and his worth as he shares these things with his wife. She begins to share this truth with him that changes everything. Check this out. 
don't let them destroy everything that you are. Don't let them destroy everything that you've built. You can't let somebody else's mistakes make you feel as if you're less than. You can't let somebody else's mistakes continue to destroy you. There comes a point where you have to let go of the things that you've been carrying that aren't yours to carry. And when we take that step, then it allows us As we stop owning the things that aren't ours to own, then it allows us to come to a place where we can start owning what is ours to own. See, the second step for some of us, or first for those of us who don't have anything in our lives that require the first step, is that there comes a point where we must face it. We must face our past to stand toe-to-toe with those things from our past in which they are self-inflicted wounds, in which our mistakes, our choices haven't been what they were supposed to be. And we have to face those things. And I get it. We believe that if we face it and think about it, we're giving that thing power in our lives. And yet what's actually true is the inverse is that when we don't talk about those things and we don't face those things, we are giving those things a power to exist in our lives that it was never meant to possess. Because the truth of the matter is this. Sin grows best in the dark. Regret grows best in the dark. And it's time for us to stop allowing those things to exist in the dark of our lives and continue to fester, continue to grow, and continue to wield power over our present and our future that they were never meant to have. And if you need some consolation in this, hopefully you can find consolation in this fact that you are not alone in this. You may be broken differently than the person beside you, but you are equally broken to them. They are no better, no worse than you. Our first mistake of our past sets us on equal ground. And knowing that should give us the courage to face our past. Even Paul, this guy that we talk about all the time around here, some of us may look at him as a titan of the faith. He was given the responsibility of writing over half of the second part of God's instruction manual for our life. We see Paul writing over half of the New Testament, and yet Paul found incredible power in simply going toe-to-toe with the reality of his past. In this letter that he writes to a young man named Timothy, this is how he begins his very first letter to Timothy. Check this out. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and this is where he faces his past, a murderer I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. One of my favorite translations of this particular passage, they translate it as Paul saying, I am public sinner number one. 
You know what Paul recognized? In order for me to heal from my past, I must go toe to toe with my past. I must own up for what is mine to own in my past. And I must begin to draw that out of the darkness and into the light so that I can heal from it and begin to overcome it. And once we face it, then it allows us to step in, into the next courageous action. It then allows us to find an outlet for that past that we're facing. That if we want to pull it out of the dark, then, then we have to let those things out. We have to find an outlet. And I get it for some of us. It's like, man, I don't know that I'm ready for such a huge step to share that with somebody else. And yet there's this one powerful preliminary step in which it feels like we're not exposing ourselves to the world, but carries such incredible power. And yet maybe we need some confidence to take this step. But the preliminary step for some of us in finding an outlet for our checkered past is to engage in prayer. Do you realize that the perfect God of the universe actually invites you to, to share your imperfections with him? That we have a God who is in the business of healing. And I'm not just talking about when we pray for God to do physical miracles. A God who understands the power that when we bring into to light the mistakes of our past, a God who immediately goes to work in healing that in our souls. Why do I believe that with all of my heart? Because that same guy that we talked about earlier, Jesus, very own brother on this earth, James, he writes this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There are no ifs in this. This is a direct promise from God that when we confess our sins, God heals us from our past. That we begin to step into a better future at simply taking that step of finding an outlet for those things from our past. But for many of us, we can't stop at just that. While that is incredibly powerful, there's also this need for maybe some of us to take the courageous step of finding one person a person that we trust, a person that we know is for us, a person that's in our corner and wants what's best for us, be it in a spouse, be it in a best friend, be it in an accountability partner, that we can begin to talk about some of these things and bring them into the light. Or maybe you're courageous enough to take an even bigger step and to say, man, in my life, I recognize I was created for community, and I need a small group of men, or I need a small group of women around me that are all moving in the same direction, that I trust, that want what's best for me, that are the same sex as me, in the same stage of life as me, that understand some things about me as a man or as a woman that my spouse might not completely understand, and I need a small group of people that I can move towards some authenticity and some transparency with them to begin to experience some healing and to begin to take healthier steps into my future than what I've taken in my past. And for all of us, there are, there are these outlets that we need to find. Or maybe it's like I've tried some things and they just don't feel like they're working. And maybe the courageous step is you need to hear this. It's okay for you to stay and I feel broken, and I just need some professional help. That there is incredible strength in saying, man, I want to find a counselor. 
that's going to give me some activities and some professional advice on how I move through this in a healthy way. That there are some scars in the past of my marriage and me and my wife, we need counseling together. That there are some scars from my past mistakes that I need some counseling for this to be able to move through this. That I need to find an outlet. Shining light on the dark parts of your past happens when you find an outlet, when you talk about it. Don't let it grow in the dark. And when we are people who are capable of facing it and finding an outlet, it then allows us in exposing those parts of our past that isn't pretty to then release the guilt and shame. You see, you've heard me say this before. There are two tools that Satan wants to use in his tool bag most often in your life. Guilt and shame. Because this is what Satan knows about you and knows about me. Those two tools for us as humanity are the easiest and quickest ways to make us believe we will never be good enough. We will always be less than. A perfect God could never love you and never accept you. Those two tools are the quickest way to make you and I feel condemned. Satan has no right and no power to condemn you. Are y'all okay? Your enemy has no right and no power to speak condemnation over you or any part of your past. There is only one person who is qualified to do so. The perfect God who holds the world in his hands, who knows you best and yet loves you most. He has the right to do so, and yet this is what he chooses. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I have the power to condemn you. The only person who has the power to do so doesn't. He looks at you with incredible grace and mercy and gives you the ability to unchain yourself from things like shame and guilt because of your past. And ultimately, the shame and the guilt that we so often deal with leads to fear. That we live most of our lives in fear because of the shame and the guilt that exists. Fear of the way everybody else looks at us, fear of not being good enough, fear that God doesn't love us. And yet when we unhook ourselves from shame and guilt, what we begin to see is this truth. That fear is illogical. I don't have to fear what anybody else thinks of me. I don't have to fear what God says about me because he's already been clear. You are a masterpiece. You are mine. I don't care how bad your past has been. It's the reason why I gave my one and only son. You see, we all probably know John 3, 16, one of the most famous quotes that Jesus ever spoke. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. But what we may not know is what Jesus says immediately after that. I have not come to condemn the world. I have come to save the world. All of that past you're holding against yourself, I'm not holding it against you. 
And so it's time for you to release that. And then once we do, it gives us the confidence to do the last step. To stop comparing. To stop comparing our lives, our marriages, our past, our sin, our mistakes to the people around us. And somehow putting ourselves on a ranking scale of whether we're better than or worse than the people around us because of our past. You see, the reality that I talked about earlier is this. Each of us are equally broken. We are broken in different ways, yet we are all equally broken. There is no better than or worse than. There is no win in comparison. Not for your present, not for your future. And so you have to let go of that. And here's the most beautiful part. Did you know that we all have an option that totally erases the effects of our past on our present and in our future? We all have an option that erases the effects of our past on our present and our future. That option is Jesus. When we invite the God who knows us best and still loves us most into our lives, the God who sacrificed himself to make grace the trump card in our story, this is what we get. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Y'all, there isn't even an old life to compare to one another. Because with Jesus, that old life is gone. It has been wiped away. And let me say this. If you must compare, compare in this way. Compare who you are to who you used to be. Because the truth of the matter is this. We can learn from our past without being defined by our past. To be able to celebrate, look how far I have come. Yeah, that was who I was, but that's not who I am. And to begin to see the progress that has been made in our lives, to be able to heal from that past. You see, for too long, you've been chained to your past, sometimes without even knowing it. You've been defined by your past, even though you've been keeping it in hiding. But today is the day where that doesn't have to be the case anymore. As Adonis climbs into the ring one last time, facing all the hurt and the scars of his past, he steps back into the ring against this old friend who is trying to take everything from him. As he sits in the corner of the ring, his coach and trainer offers this incredible advice for what takes him into something healthier from this day forward. Check this out. It's time to let go of whatever was and step into what is. This is the day for you to finally unhook yourself from your past, to let go of the fear that's dominated your story, the shame and the guilt that constantly seems to cloud you, that's making you feel as if you're less than, and to finally begin to believe that you have a trump card option in your back pocket in the form of the God who put on flesh and sacrificed himself to wipe away that old life and to give you something new. 
all you have to say is yes to let go of all of that was and to step into all that is. An incredible future that the God of the universe wants for you, but is only possible when you take the courageous steps to unhook yourself from all of that past that isn't pretty. Would you pray with me? With all eyes closed this morning, maybe for you, you're sitting there and you're saying, I'm courageous enough to admit that my past isn't pretty either, Ben. I've made a whole lot of mistakes and I've tried a whole lot of things to forget about my past, to bottle it up, to hide it, to believe that the pain of dealing with my past is greater than the pain of just living with it. And yet all of those things haven't worked. There's still this weight that's on my shoulders that I'm tired of and I'm exhausted and I'm tired of the fear and I'm tired of the guilt and I'm tired of the shame. try the trump card that unhooks me from my past and all of that weight. And if that's you this morning, taking that step, being able to say goodbye to the old and welcome in something new is as simple as repeating this prayer, these words in your own heart in your own head. Jesus, today, I recognize that my past isn't perfect. I haven't always gotten it right. And all of those mistakes come with a lot of shame, guilt, tired of doing it on my own. I'm tired of being chained to those things. Today, I'm letting go. Today, I'm inviting you into my mess, into my life. I need you to help me unhook all that was and to be able to step in to what is. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. It's in your name that I pray. And for all of us, God, this morning, it is so easy for us to slip back into what comes natural to hide it, to bottle it up. And yet, God, we want something better for our future than what we've experienced in our past. May we become people who are courageous enough to take some steps in the right direction, not just to deal with our past, not to subdue it, but to overcome it, 
to experience the better you have for us in light of the pain and the scars of our past. May we be courageous. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.